Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am using the correct Hufflepuff mic today. My name is Dan Rhino. My name is Jessica Rhino, and thank goodness I have the Ravenclaw mic. All is right in the podcast world. You did not enjoy using the Hufflepuff mic last episode? I, not that I didn't enjoy it. It just felt wrong. See how it is. Me, I'm fine with whatever mic I use. Well, you secretly want to be a Ravenclaw. I don't think I could be. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm that well read or interested in being that well read. You're a librarian. I know. I just put books back on shelves and stuff and whatnot. And whatnot. Yeah. You know the Dewey Decimal You're System pretty well. You're literally surrounded by books all day. I'm surrounded by books, but I don't necessarily read the books. You should read. I'm reading this. Yeah. How about that? Pretty good. So speaking of things I've read, uh, let's recap chapter 18 before we get into chapter Smooth 19. transition. Well, thank you. Chapter 18 was Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. And I've got that Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew, long thought dead at the hands of Sirius Black. Sirius really wants to kill Peter slash Scabbers, almost crazed about it. Hermione's probably earning all kinds of points for Gryffindor with her calm inquiries about what's going on around her. Scabbers can't be an animagus because he's not on file. Nope. But it turns out that James Potter series and Peter all turn themselves into animagi to support slash be closer to Lupin when they were at Hogwarts. Uh, The Whomping Willow was planted to protect the secret pathway to the Shrieking Shack where Lupin would go to transform. Turns out the four friends actually wrote the Marauder's Map, had issues with Snape at Hogwarts, and uh, Snape had discovered Lupin's secret. And at the end of Chapter 18, Snape actually appears in the room, present time, with everyone having entered under the guise of the Invisibility Cloak. That about sums it up. So let's move to Chapter 19. That, and it wasn't that long of a chapter. No, it wasn't. My like re- my recap was almost as long as the pages, chapter was. And yeah, well, that's because everything was important. Chapter 19, what we're going to be talking about today on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Oh, bef- before we uh, go any further, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this in uh, just a couple of minutes, but this episode's proudly presented by our good friends at podcorn.com, Jessica. Ooh. Podcorn. Podcorn. Not popcorn. Not popcorn like you thought last time. Podcorn. Now, now just podcorn is a website that if you have a podcast like this one, they will help you locate sponsors for your podcast. So you can start monetizing that passion project of yours. That means make money, right? That, That means to make money. I. That means to make some dinero. We can... It can fund our trips to these uh, conf- uh, conventions where we do panels. 
it can load up your your vault at Gringotts. Gringotts with money for your podcast. So we'll tell you a little bit more about podcorn.com later on in the podcast, but we want to thank them for sponsoring this edition of the show. Thank you. Chapter 19, The Servant of Lord Voldemort. I Before we get started, I got to say, I was overwhelmed by how much we have to unpack in this chapter. It was a lot to take in. I told you that when you got home earlier, I had read the chapter and I said, there's so much going on. There's so many revelations in this chapter. It's almost like we were kind of on a slow, steady climb up to the top of the hill and now we're going down the roller coaster and having to take in all of this in the in the short ride on the roller coaster you know the the dips and twists and upside down loop-de-loops and turns along the way it just seems like we've been slowly building up through 18 chapters okay here's a little bit okay here's a little bit here's everything this chapter this is why everything happened and how it happened and how it affects what's happening next. And, and that other stuff that you thought happened, that didn't really matter. Yeah, That's not how it happened anyway, happen. so don't worry about it. So Snape is now in the room with Harry, Ron, Hermione, Scabbers, slash Peter, Lupin, and Sirius. Apparently Lupin had left the Marauder's Map unlocked. Ooh. On his desk, is that that's how Snape found out where they were? Yeah, correct? yeah, he saw their their little names. I guess uh, Lupin was in such a hurry, he couldn't say two little words to lock that map up. Well, if somebody you thought had been dead for 12 years, your mind might be elsewhere. Well, Snape is still convinced at this point that Sirius is bad, and now he's convinced that Lupin is helping Sirius as well. Oh, he was convinced before. And Hermione's, the the thing that worked for her so well in the last chapter, the inquisitive little thoughts, well, Professor Snape, perhaps we should take a second to... Assess the situation. That doesn't work on Snape like nope. they did on Lupin. Oh, he yelled at her. He called her a stupid girl. She is far from a stupid girl. She is far from a stupid girl. Snape is, the, the thing that I notice. he's super, I mean, he's always been mean and crotchety, but he is super vindictive Yes. in this chapter. I mean, he's talking about revenge and retribution and sending Sirius to his death by kissed by Dementor. I mean, he is like really like taking in everything that happened to him at Hogwarts and unleashing it like in this chapter. Like, I'm finally going to get, you know, retribution on the people that wronged me. And I'm so glad I'm the one that found you. And I've dreamed about being the one to find you to bring you in. Just... I don't want to say it's like a different side, but it is. It's like a, it's a more intense side to Snape than we've we've seen so far. Yes, um, but as somebody who knows the full story and knows more about Snape's backstory, I I feel like reading it again is like oh, there's more meaning behind it that first time readers don't know. So Snape has Lupin bound at this point, ready to take Sirius as well, and ready to turn both of them over to the Dementors for mm-hmm. all intents and yeah. purposes. Who cares? Get them out of here. When Harry jumps in, now at this point, 
is Harry, can, do you think Harry is convinced, is he jumping in because he's convinced that Lupin is good and Sirius is good, or is he jumping in because he need, he wants to know the whole story first? Because that part of the, of the tale, the whole part of uh, Harry getting to hear, you know, Lupin's defense for Sirius and Sirius's defense of himself kind of got interrupted by Snape. I think he does want to hear the whole story. Um, but I also think it's partly to do with he really likes Lupin and looks up to him. And Snape's kind of the exact opposite. So, I mean, if you had to pick, are you going to side with Lupin or are you going to side with Snape? I feel like like just almost the simple fact that Snape is taking the opposite side of Lupin is almost like a red flag. Like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, I don't really trust you. So maybe I should look into this side more. Like, to have to choose. Like, it really put Harry in a position where he had to choose between Snape and Lupin and siding with them. And so I think he kind of started to lean lean one way and was like, no, wait, I want to I wanna hear the whole story. Whereas before, he was less likely to hear the whole story. Well, Snape and Harry have a pretty intense back and forth. And it... There's some personal things said, it seems like, uh, especially on Snape's side, you know, saying that, that you're no different than your, your father. And, you know, Harry does not take comments about his mom and dad very well no. negative comments about his mom and dad very well so it gets to the point where harry feels like he has to take some action and he performs his finishing move which is <laughs> expelliarmus but hermione almost instinctively does the same spell at the same time and they kind of team up for a pretty potent Expelliarmus. So Does much. Ron do it too? I didn't. I don't remember Ron doing it. I think Ron it. does it too. Really? <clears throat> yeah. All three of them did it at the same time. I think felt like Ron and Hermione's was more to protect Harry. Like they thought Snape was going to do something to Harry. And Harry's was more to stop Snape just in general. I thought when, when I read it, the first time I read it, I thought that it was just harry and hermione but whoever was the one who uh teamed up for this spell they was so much so that it knocks out snape slams yeah. him back against the wall bloodies his head and he's out he's out for the count so now that snape is out cold there this is where the multiple revelations after revelations hit us like pretty quick in this chapter so i'm gonna throw some things at you you fill me in on what you know how did Sirius know that Scabbers was the exact rat that Peter had taken the form of? There's billions of rats in the world, Jess. That was Ron's point. Um, so, these these were best friends. They they hung out all their whole school life, school career, their whole time in school. They hung out together. He said, "I've seen uh, Peter transform so many times. You think I can't recognize?" my friend um and then also the little proof that cherry on top mm -hmm. was that 
he was missing a toe. And that was the only thing that was found of Peter at the crime scene was a finger. Mm-hmm. So they believed, or deduced, that Peter had cut that finger off and left it to fake his own death. And he's the one who caused the explosion, not Sirius. Lupin and Sirius kind of kind of question the intelligence of Ron a little bit when they said, did it ever occur to you that your rat was living for like a really long time? <laughs> and, and, there was, and there was a tease of that back in, uh, it was back in Diagon Alley, right? Yeah. When we talked about uh, when Crookshanks actually comes into the picture. And we realized that uh, Scabbers had been living for, had been alive for 12 years. Yeah, they said he wasn't doing well, so he took him in to get a tonic for him, get him checked out. I guess, like, the equivalent of a magical vet, Mm -hmm. the guy who runs the magical pet shop was the authority, and he was like, what do you mean he's lived this long? Well, that's what's wrong with him. Well, I looked it up. Rats live an average of one to two years, and the world record being about seven years. So, um, Scabber's a little bit past his expiration date. That doesn't seem right. I feel like the rats live longer than that, because Scabber's lived over 12 years. Hmm. <laughs> are you are you doing your best uh, Ron impression right now? <laughs> no, no, Ron just yelled, I thought we took really good care of him. <laughs> I just thought we took really good care of him, and he lived 10 to 12 times longer than a normal rat. <laughs> Not a magical no, rat. Maybe, maybe I need to start taking rat. really good care of myself, like go vegan and uh, keto or whatever that, well, that is. No, you just need to figure out what Ron I can live to be 800. Scabbers. I can you know, live to be way, way older. Who knows? Uh, Sirius and Lupin force Peter to show his true form. And I put in my notes that it kind of goes back to what you said a couple chapters ago about the animal form you take. I think I asked you about when you turn yourself into an animagus that why would you want to be a rat? But you kind of said that it kind of has to do with you. Mm -hmm. Like you affect what you can turn into. So you don't really have, you don't have a choice over it. But this, this really kind of proves that because Peter physically, and I guess personality-wise, has a lot of rat-like qualities. Yeah. I mean, he is, they said that from, their, from the description of him, physically has a lot of the same qualities that Scabbers had. And when you think about some of the stuff he's pulled over the years and that some of the things that are going to come to light in this chapter... Rat is a term that is often used in, with a negative connotation with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think all, a lot of that pers- all the personality traits could be attributed to Peter as well. So I think a rat is probably a very fitting animal for him it's to choose into. Also a term for somebody who's like an informant or mm-hmm. a spy, which is what he's also accused of being in this chapter. Yep. You know, hear, hear people say, like, you're a low-down, dirty rat. You ratted on me. We've got a rat in our midst. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's spilling your secrets. So, Peter 
is still doing his best to convince everyone in the room that Sirius is bad. Peter claims he's been hiding as a rat to avoid being found by Sirius all these years, even though Sirius was locked up in Azkaban. Which nobody's ever escaped from, so why would you even think he's going to escape? And Sirius, or Peter rather, really cringes and gets that cold chill when Sirius is using the, the word Voldemort. Something that that was very clear in reading this chapter is that Peter is deathly afraid of a Voldemort. Yeah, and he uses and intimidated by him. At least in my copy, I thought it was strange. He uses like the very more formal, long drawn out "He who must not be named," mm-hmm. not you know who or mm-hmm. you know. He says like dark the Dark Lord, but then he also says he must not must be not named. be named. Like he really. Felt like he really drug it out. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people just kind of say, you know who. So with... That just really tells you... It just really speaks to... It's like kind of reminded me of... Uh, who's Gaston's little sidekick? Oh. LeFou? Le, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it just Le almost Fou. like... He's always kind of like worried that like Gaston's going to smack him or something. You know, so he kind of, he really, like really walks around on eggshells around him. Yeah, it just kind of remind it kind of makes me think of of that like turned up to eleven. Probably the same dynamic with the the relationship between Voldemort and Peter. If this is yeah, definitely the, the case, if, if you say if by smack you mean like murder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, or just tor- or torture, keep alive <laughs> torture. but torture. You know, which which would be even worse. Uh, Peter. Like I said, still doing his best to convince everyone that he's the good guy, Sirius is the bad guy. Hermione, of course, it, go, get, goes right back into Hermione mode. Well, Peter says that, well, I figured Black was going to be able to escape because he knows all kinds of dark magic, dark tricks. The 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 Dark Lord taught him to him, probably. Mm-hmm. And so then Hermione's like, well... Excuse me, Mr. Black. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. How did you get out? Yeah, Hermione, I put in my notes that Hermione is like an attorney. Courteously and calmly asking questions just to ascertain needed information. <laughs> I think Hermione should should open like, up a, a magical law firm. Like, <laughs> I think she'd be really good at it. I thought we decided she should be the judge. Yes, yes. Then I then I said she be she should have like a reality show, like a Judge Judy mm-hmm. with Crookshanks. Yes. on the be- on the bench with Crookshanks her. in a little bailiff's co- costume. <laughs> I don't think he'd that'd like be that. adorable. Maybe just the tie. Just that'd the tie. Be, that'd be adorable. Little hat, little hat too. You know. Oh, I think if you put a hat, try to put a hat on Crookshanks, he'd uh, he'd little badge. You. Give him you a little bit. badge, a little little tie with a badge on it. Okay. How about that? Yeah. And then Hermione can come in and hear. You know, uh, he uh, stole stuff from my house when I wasn't there. Copper piping from my house when I wasn't home. And he owed me money for this card. He never paid me back. And then she can, you know, listen to all the information like she's really Ask good at. Ask the critical questions right? for the information that people are specifically leaving out. That's mm-hmm. what she's asking. It's like, okay, you said he knows dark tricks because he got out of Azkaban. You did get out of Azkaban. How'd you do it? Yeah, that's the, Prove that's the big wrong. thing. She's, she wants to fill in all the blanks, and then she can make a reasonable deduction of, of everything based on the facts. 
This seems like the perfect opportunity to remind everyone that this edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer is brought to you by our good friends over at podcorn.com. Not popcorn, podcorn, P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com. Let me tell you a little bit about how we got hooked up with podcorn. As a burgeoning podcast here, sometimes it's hard to know how to take the next step in actually securing sponsorships and trying to monetize your podcast and take it to the next level but podcorn makes it easy as pie podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as hosts read ads interview segments topical discussions and more with podcorn there is no middleman podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform set their own rates and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in the show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities at podcorn.com. Which is what Judge Judy does. As long as she's also making you feel like garbage at the same time. She'd have to come up with a catchphrase, like I'm the boss applesauce. Oh. So if that you doesn't sound very Hermione ish. No. So but... if you can think of Hermione's catch give me a good Hermione catchphrase, broomstick.butterbeer at gmail.com. Hermione I'm... judge. Judge Hermione. Catchphrase, yeah. Yeah. And I will send I'll send the best one a t shirt of your of your choosing, design of your choosing. Uh, where are we at here? Why? And, uh, I got a qu- Okay. My next question for you. Why hadn't Peter slash Scavers made a move on hurting Harry all these years? Because this is a, another way for Peter to kind of defend himself and say, oh, if I, if I'm bad, if I wanted to, to hurt Harry, why hadn't I done it? I had all these, these opportunities. Why do we find out in the chapter that hadn't happened? Um, well, <laughs> um, Sirius kind of speculates. We don't really know for sure, but he speculates based off of what he knows about Pettigrew that he didn't do it because there was nothing in it for him. Mm-hmm. There was no advantage unless the Dark Lord, Voldemort, was standing right there and he'd go, Look, look what I did. Here's Harry. There was no payoff for him peter is a bit of a front runner isn't he he's on whichever team is winning and whichever team can keep him protected and safe Mm -hmm. right i like in my in i don't know if the versions are the same you know because i read the uk version but they said um you always side with whoever the biggest bully on Mm -hmm. the playground yeah that 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 were that was in mine which i thought was interesting because you know he was in p uh serious and Mm -hmm. lupin's group there for a while and there were are some times where they kind of call them bullies yeah almost like almost acknowledging yeah that that they were kind of the bullies there for a while not always the the good guys yeah not so cookie cutter that these people uh these characters in this book and i kind of like that that they're very they're flawed every character has has its flaws there there is no there's there is no superman that you know stands for truth justice in the american way and we'll find out even later you know some of these other characters that we thought you know i guess other than mcgonagall she's perfect of course yes 
Yeah, she doesn't do anything wrong or no. make any mistakes or anything like that. So that is very true. I I take back my statement. My statement. McGonagall's perfect. McGonagall is Superman. <laughs> yeah, I could I could go with that. I mean, the only thing, and it's a minor thing, the only thing you could kind of fault her for is she is um, she sometimes maybe perhaps a little bit too competitive about Quidditch. And puts that ahead of... Lady likes her Quidditch. Ahead of, you know, studies or things like that. Lady likes her Quidditch. She wants her team to win. It's been a while since she got that cup, Jess. (laughs) She's like a a Cubs fan. She did go pull uh, Wood out of class to talk about their new seeker. Like I said, minor thing. Like a Cubs fan, you know, when you when it's been that long, you'll do anything <laughs> that it takes to win. I'd like to think she's a little more, um, a little more the dedicated than a Cubs fan. Oh wow! Shout at Cubs fans. I know they're there. very hardcore Cubs fan, but we saw them, you know, get agitated with their players very easily. The, the word that I use is fickle. Fickle. Ah, there we go. They are. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't come. Dedicated wasn't quite the right word I wanted, but. Well, so one of my. One of my less be- fickle. One of my best friends, as you know, is a Cubs fan. Yes. And I give him, I give him a hard time all the time because of how fickle they are. <laughs> you know, one, literally one minute they will be bowing at the altar of, of a player and they make one mistake and now they're a bum that needs to get run out of town. Mm-hmm. We were there for several games and we witnessed this. They were all about it. This is the best pitcher we've ever had. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful. Oh, a home run. We hate you. Get out of the game. Oh, it's like, oh, you gave up one run in nine innings? Yes. You're the worst. Leave town. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. So uh, we've talked about uh, Peter being a bit of, bit of a front runner here. And then we're going to get to my next point. How was Sirius able to escape when no one else had? And it's explained in this chapter, but I told you before we started recording that I'm going to need you to kind of break it down for me because I read it, and I read it twice, and I I kind of understand the outline of it, but I'm still having a hard time kind of assembling. Like, I have all the pieces, but I can't, I'm kind of having a hard time figuring out how they all go together. Okay. So, start us off with, when you're in Azkaban, the whole point of being in Azkaban and the whole point of the Dementors there is they, they feed on your, your happy thoughts, thoughts, right? They take all your happy thoughts. And you basically just drive you, drives you insane because yeah. you're left with nothing but bad, bad, me- bad memories and yeah. thoughts. And supposedly, you know, people just, they don't even last very long. They, they go crazy very quickly. Um, but Sirius said that he didn't exactly go crazy like everybody else partly because he knew he was innocent and that he didn't deserve to be there which kind of became and that Peter got away and that kind of became an obsession for him something to focus on it wasn't a good thing so the Dementors weren't attracted to him they didn't want to take that thought away from him so he but he you know he had something to hold on to to remember to remember himself and why am I here and what happened. None of it was good. It's kind of like when you're on a, a train and you're, if you focus at every tree that comes by, you're going to get sick. <laughs> but if you focus on a spot in the distance, 
then it kind of keeps you from being overcome with that sickness. <laughs> this was kind of like his, his mountain in the distance to focus on <laughs> to keep from going insane. Yes. And then he was also capable of shifting into his dog form. So he kind of explained it that the Dementor, the, the animal emotions are not as powerful. The Dementors aren't as drawn to those emotions. So he could kind of just like curl up as a dog in the corner of his cell and the Dementors would leave him alone because they didn't really care about animals. And it's not like the Dementors are like checking on... I didn't get the, I didn't get the feeling that like the Dementors are like, uh, what are the people that work at um, the prison guards? Uh, the prison guards. I didn't get the the I didn't get the feeling that they're like you know checking every cell and like lights out twenty three. What's going on in there? <laughs> Show me your hands. Uh, you like sharpening a toothbrush in there? <laughs> so no. But they did come, apparently, to bring him food. Now, see, I don't know why. Maybe that's how it's explained in the movie. But I had a different understanding of what happened. Mm -hmm. I just thought one day he, he saw the newspaper and wanted out and decided, hey, I know how to get out of here and changed into his dog form and just walked right between the bars and got out and left. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Dementors didn't stop him because he was a dog, not a person. Um, but this says, that the book says the Dementors brought him his meal mm -hmm. and he was in dog form and he just slipped out. He said he was so skinny that he slipped like between the bars. Well, at first it just said, no, he slipped out when they brought him his meal. Mm -hmm. And then later he slipped between the bars. So I'm assuming like the fence mm -hmm. around it, he slipped through those bars. Hmm. And then he just swam to shore. Yeah, and then he and then he swam. <laughs> Who knows how far? In the movie, it's pretty rocky and wild and mm -hmm. turbulent seas, but apparently he just jumped in and swam. Yeah, it's it, it, it was a, a lot to to kind of wrap my mind around as far as his escape from Azkaban. So does that mean that anybody who was an animagi would have a Similar, similarly, I don't want to say easy, but similar opportune way of escaping? Yes, except for they're supposed to be registered. If they're registered, then the ministry would know, hey, this guy can turn into a hawk. We better build a different cage for so him. So you're saying they should have made a kennel for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, some sort of... Uh, way to keep him some sort of special arrangements so like a kennel with one of those like like little locky things little twisty it. lock yeah. yeah yeah not the little latch lock mm -mm. because our, mm -mm. our said you could get out of that absolutely easy. just that's just like a flip and a push yeah or maybe you have to put the little clip on it yeah one of those little one is like a little pressure tension on it like a nice one from like uh like chewy.com or something <laughs> sponsor of the show i wish man <laughs> i wish i like i'd do it just for like the free dog toys and and stuff something to keep our dog because we have a a constant it's a constant battle here even right now if you, you if you hear just squeaking that's our dog who doesn't play with squeak toys all day until we start recording if you hear grumbling that's our two dogs wrestling with each other which 
they don't they they wait until it's time for us to record to do mm, that's not totally true they kind of wrestle all day long <sighs> it's, but, it's it's a lot yeah it's a lot it's frustrating we have two young dogs and they like to play a lot <sighs> i digress so harry remembered something that mr weasley had said to mrs weasley about serious mumbling in prison he's at hogwarts he's at hogwarts so it wasn't harry that sirius was after all this time was it no it was always peter that's just that's just a that's a big revelation we got Mm -hmm. in this chapter he's at hogwarts he's at hogwarts like oh he's heading to hog oh sirius is heading to hogwarts we know who he's going after no we don't fudge came to check on the prison brought the newspaper but Sirius read the newspaper when he was done with it, and there it was, right on the cover. You don't think that he used the newspaper as, like, uh, to, like, go to the bathroom on? You know, some dogs do that. Yeah, but I don't think so, no. You mind if I use that newspaper when you're done with it? <laughs> no, because he wouldn't want Fudge to know. Yeah, but... Because then he'd get put in the kennel. But may, you, I bet he did after he looked at the picture, about after he saw... Scabbers in the picture. Maybe beat on Scabbers. Yeah, maybe he did. Maybe <laughs> I don't he did. think so because he's carrying it around with him. He's carrying the his... picture. Okay. He, he, he tore the picture out of the newspaper. Okay. And he's carrying it around with him. I'm just just asking some Hermione questions here. I want to know the whole story. Want to get down to it? I want to fill in all the blanks, including how the dog is uh, relieving itself in, in Azkaban. Prison. Exactly. Uh, the biggest revelation in all of this is the fact that it was not Sirius Black at all that betrayed James and Lily Potter as their secret keeper. Sirius does feel responsible for the deaths of James and Lily. He says something like in the chapter, I did kill your parents, Harry. And I think it was in the last chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, I was responsible for your... I forget what the exact uh, yeah, line was. He thinks it's partially his fault because... He didn't take on the job of secret keeper. He passed it off to um, to Peter. And that, that was the big thing that we found in this chapter, was that Peter, the, the job of secret keeper was changed at the last second to Peter. Sirius thought that there would be some strategic advantages behind Peter being the secret keeper over himself. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so... Sirius thought that it would be a good idea, that that he would be the first one everyone suspected. That he thought that um, Voldemort would come for him, knowing immediately, oh, bet the secret keeper is Sirius Black and I should go get him and torture the secret out of him, basically. And no one will ever expect Peter as the the secret keeper, because why um, why would anyone trust the most important secret of their lives to sniveling weak little Peter Pettigrew. And to give you credit, you were going through that while you were spraying our one of our dogs with a spray bottle. Yeah. I can multitask. <laughs> I can't. I just shut down. I just, I just, okay, we're not recording anymore. I guess this, I guess this podcast is over forever. I guess this is the last episode. No. And you're just like Blah, 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 squirt, squirt, blah, 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 No problem. No. That's why you're the best. Aw. So Peter knew Voldemort 
was growing in power. And it kind of goes back to what we said before about Peter being the front runner. Whoever it looks like is going to be winning, he wants to be on that team because he just wants to be alive no matter, you know, darn the consequences. Peter knew Voldemort was growing in power around this time. He knew Voldemort would soon be the head honcho in the wizarding world. And Peter knew that giving this information to Voldemort would probably be in Peter's survival as it pertains to Peter's survival, probably in his best interest, right? Yes. Sirius says it's been going on longer than that. He said you were feeding him information way before that. Mm-hmm. You you sided with him before it was such a big deal. Yeah. And you even sided with us back at our days in Hogwarts because you knew that we would protect you. You knew mm-hmm. that we were kind of the, you know, the big man on campus and you wanted to be you're a hanger on you wanted to be a part of that yeah peter is he's one of those little the furthest thing from a little sucker fish that attach themselves to the whales Mm, like little parasites just just hang on and hope nobody Mm -hmm. notices them a a parasitic relationship it's not like a uh, it's not like a symbiotic relationship where everybody gets like benefits from it it's just peter is the, the type of guy that wants to latch on to somebody mm-hmm. and kind of and kind of ride on their coattails as as it pertains to his survival so uh we've got pretty pathetic pretty pathetic peter how about a little, little alliteration there for there you, you go. he's very pathetic in this chapter yes he's especially at the end of the chapter he's begging off of everyone in the room you know oh what about you uh, you you should save me because of this, and you should save me because of this. Even to the point where he's going up to like her, he doesn't even know Hermione. Yeah. You girl, the Clever smart girl. girl. You're the Clever smart girl. girl. You don't believe this. You don't believe that I'm. Yeah, zero connection to Hermione, but that's he. He's running out of options here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows he's not going to convince Sirius. He's knows he's not not going to convince Lupin. The best line of the chapter is when he tries to get Ron. He's like, I was a good pet for you. Why aren't we good friends? We're Wasn't friends. I loyal? Ron's just like, dude, I let you sleep in my bed. This is weird. <laughs> that is super weird. I'm like shoving him in his pocket all the time. I'm just like, ew. So Ron had like a 40-year-old dude like. <laughs> cuddling and <laughs> Cuddling him. him in bed. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> and and the, the lowest of the low to reach out to him to harry's oh yeah that good made, side oh man that, that serious mad that made me mad <laughs> you know whose parents he had a hand in killing he reaches out to harry because he just he just will do anything to to survive he'll just do anything to survive even if it means reaching out to to harry's sympathetic side oh that that rubs serious really the wrong way mm-hmm. doesn't it yes but peter was right he said, James wouldn't want them to kill me. And boom. He said the right words. So when Lupin and Sirius are ready to deal the death blow to Peter, Harry stops him. And that was... I get it, kind of. But still, it was hard for me to understand. I understand this is the hero's journey. And Harry is... is the the you know titular character here but man i for harry being as young and hormonal as he is 
to have the wherewithal to stop the killing of of this man who had such a I mean Harry has been at times so wound up about avenging his parents Mm -hmm. that he would be willing has been willing to kill seemingly in the past and now when when the opportunity comes and we get the full story and this is the guy that 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 ratted out my parents that you said ratted out I did I did. I didn't even. I didn't even <laughs> intend to do it. This is the guy that that did it. This is the guy that that deserves what's coming to him. It was a little tough for me to swallow Harry jumping in front and and sparing uh, Peter, even though that what Peter awaits him. You know, a lot of times, like in real life, you know, sometimes I'll see something on the news and they'll say, "Well, this." person that committed this crime isn't getting the death penalty they're getting life in prison and you think okay that might be worse you know dealing with what they have to deal with every day in that if they get the death penalty it's kind of like a quick thing and it's over but i don't i think harry is just kind of doing exactly what peter said thinking about what his dad would want mm-hmm and maybe his dad wouldn't want Peter to die. I don't know how how we would know that, given what we know about James. But it was well, a, it was a little way, hard for me to swallow. The way say Harry that. said it was, my dad wouldn't want his his two best friends, Lupin and Sirius, to become murderers. That you know, that, I, okay. It's awful that, that Peter sense. did this thing, but and I was waiting for kind of waiting for Hermione to speak up and say, well, but we need him. To clear Sirius's name. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to go back to Azkaban? Because right now, it's just, you know, it's still hearsay. We kind of need him. So we shouldn't kill him. But that wasn't brought up. That wasn't pointed out. Mm-hmm. I was kind of waiting for that. Because I figured that was the best argument. But we don't go there. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. It makes a lot I of mean, stuff. not that Harry has a huge attachment to Black at this point. That that would be... Oh yeah, I gotta help this guy out that I don't know and I thought was trying to kill me just recently, and now I'm still trying to wrap my head around him being my dad's best friend and not a murderer. But you know, they do still need Peter to clear Black. Yeah, it was just it was a little tough for me to kind of think that Harry could just flip that switch mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, as far as long-term storytelling, you know. We're going to kind of need Peter uh, maybe later on. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to wrap up this chapter, did you notice anything? Because this was kind of the, the culmination of a several chapter arc that was kind of like its own little mini story. This was almost like the last three chapters were almost like one big scene. So how did this extended scene that was several chapters long compare to how it was presented in the film, from what you remember? Um, well, you know, I did kind of say I remembered his escape from Azkaban a little differently, and I don't know why. I, I think probably just in the movie, to simplify, he just said I was a dog and walked out, you know. But... Um, it's all pretty much there, and that confuses me because that was, a, like you said, a lot of information that they had to cram into that scene. But they do. I mean, I remember it all. Even them take, taking out uh, Snape like that? 
think so. I don't know. Again, it's been a very long time since I've seen these movies now. I've stopped watching them when they're on TV. And they're always on TV. <laughs> and so I haven't watched it in probably, two what, two years? Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting toward the end of this book, which means that we're going to watch the movie Soon. right after that. And we yep. can do a little compare and contrast. Uh, anything else you want to say about chapter 19? Kind of a long chapter, a lot to take in. The servant of Lord Voldemort. No, we're, we're getting down there, though. We only got a couple more chapters left. So that was chapter 19. Uh, thanks to everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. We don't have an email for this week, but if you would like to send us one, do so broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at broomsticksb. It's just broomsticks followed by the letter B, all one word, no spaces, no underscores, nothing like that. And uh, if you don't want to send us the, anything on Twitter, just give us a follow. We'll, you'll find out when new episodes are posting. And you can also be the first one to get those new episodes if you subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're using. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever podcast you MySpace. No, that's, that's LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, MySpace is a thing. FarmersOnly.com. That's like the farmer's dating site. <laughs> <laughs> We're on there, too. It's, it was a big get for us nice. to, to get on there. I said, now, normally you don't let podcasts on there, but I guess. Everybody loves Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they should. Weasleys ha- kind of have a little farm. Yeah. A little garden. Kind of. Uh, with the little, who are the little guys are always getting into the, <laughs> the garden. Garden gnomes. <laughs> the, the little troll guys. Garden gnomes. <laughs> that you have to like pick up and like. Chuck them out. Drop kick them. <laughs> into you the spin field. them first so they get uh, dizzy. So they get dizzy. They can't get find course. their way back. And then you chuck them <laughs> over the fence. I would have so much fun with that. No, they and, bite. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would just spin them like Thor's hammer. <laughs> see how far I could chuck them. Uh, so thanks to everybody for, like I said, for downloading, listening, subscribing, and spreading the word. We'll be back next time with Chapter 20. Thanks again to our friends at Podcorn.com for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you have a podcast that you would like to try to secure some sponsorships for, they make it very easy to do. Check them out at Podcorn.com. Until next time, reporting from the yellow Hufflepuff microphone here, I'm your Hufflepuff host, Dan Rhino. I'm your Ravenclaw host with the blue microphone, Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you next time. Bye.